This podcast is for investment professionals only. Hello. Markets have shown their teeth, so what better time to give the corporate world a full health check? Well, over the past few weeks, over 160 of Fidelity's analysts from across the globe have done just that for this year's analyst survey. It's a snapshot and their assessment of how the companies and sectors they cover will fare over the coming 12 months. I'm joined in the studio by three of these experts now. They're Gita Bell, Consumer Industries Credit Expert, Oliver Trimmingham, Equities Analyst for Industrials, and Marcel Stotzel, Equity Analyst with an expertise in IT. Welcome to you all. Hello. Now, we've collated reams of data provided by you and your colleagues from which a pretty optimistic picture has emerged for the next year or so, which in itself seems a little bit surprising considering the sword of Damocles of a market upset was hanging over our heads for all of 2017, and this year has had plenty of upsets and uncertainties already. So um, why the optimism? Uh, Marcel, can I start with you? Sure. I think what we're seeing in tech in particular is, optimi- is optimism around digitization. And what that means in simple terms is turning something physical into something digital, numbers-based. So that could be digital marketing, the shift from traditional marketing to Facebook, Google. That could be digital design, you know, the shift from pen and paper to 3D mock-ups, the shift to digital manufacturing and um, IoT and collecting sensor data and basically just moving from the old old world of 2D to the new world of kind of 3D has uh, has really sparked a lot of kind of spending and, and uh, spending intentions going forward. In the cool hangouts in the west coast of uh, America and what have you. Now, what about gritty industrials? Oliver? Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's quite amazing how far the world has come since maybe two years ago, at the beginning of 2016. Uh, we were very worried about the outlook for China. Um, we were thinking that the likes of Glencore and Anglo might be might be um, about to go bankrupt, uh, and no one was really investing in in, in these very important um, markets of mining and also oil and gas. Uh, ever since then, we have climbed the wall of worry, and the uh, the corporates, the oil majors, the mining majors are now flush with cash flow, um, and are looking around the edges to deploy more of that cash flow into capital equipment. Well, we'll come to that in a minute. But basically, there's a mood of optimism amongst your companies as well. Yeah, I think I think this is the first time in many years that we've seen synchronous global growth. Uh, and it's been a volatile few years for capital goods equipment markets. Uh, a number are very depressed. And with that favourable outlook for global GDP growth, I think we'll see more investment in capital equipment over the next few years. Okay, Gita, coming to you. Now, you radiate uh, an air of sunny optimism yourself, <laughs> but what about the companies that you uh, you cover? No, I think from a, from a spending and, and looking ahead perspective, most of them are pretty optimistic right now. It's not to say that there aren't some some issues. For example, we're seeing a lot of volume decline in the, the consumer staples companies, but um, particularly in developed markets. But if you look around the world, you see um, rising um, GDP per capita in a lot of the developing world, which is translating into increased consumer spending in many of these countries. Um, you're seeing people also trading up as they get higher and higher on the wealth indices. And generally speaking, you see a lot of opportunities for, for many companies to um, to, to grow their, their sales and grow their, their presence in the world. So the new middle classes in these countries are becoming a reality. Yeah, and I would say in the developed world, you also have the positive side of 
as wage growth continues to tick up and unemployment continues to remain low, consumer confidence is relatively high, you still have this retained spending um, in this developed part of the world that, that um, we've seen for, for a little while now. Okay, well, let's, let's come to the point that Oliver raised. We'll have a look at, um, at balance sheets, as any good analyst would. And um, some of the detail that's emerging in this report, um, it shows that for the first time in five years, that expectations for capital expenditure are increasing over the next 12 months in all sectors and all regions. So what are they planning to spend that cash on, Oliver? Uh, if I think again about the natural resources companies, uh, we have gone through somewhat of a capex holiday for the last two, three, four years. Uh, and the problem with that is as long as the world keeps on growing, as long as population keeps on growing and energy and material demand keeps on growing, those capex holidays are unsustainable. So I think the outlook for both oil and gas expenditure, capex expenditure, capital expenditure and mining capital expenditure uh, is very favourable as we need to replenish capacity in, in oil producing fields or, or the next copper mine. Uh, or even replacing the trucks that we need to drive round an iron ore mine. Another strong reading, or certainly something which has uh, leapt out, is that only one in five of the analysts that we surveyed think that the levels of leverage are going to increase over the coming year. So uh, wh why is that, Gita? I think for a number of uh, more non-cyclical sectors, that's because leverage is already at relatively full levels and therefore over time we, we can't really see them going much higher. Give an example. Here. So at the minute Coca-Cola which is AA rated has gross debt to EBITDA of over four times. It's very difficult to see how they can sustain that kind of level um, and maintain their ratings. Um, AB InBev which has been uh, just through a massive acquisition cycle has gross debt to EBITDA of over five times. Molson Coors also big acquisition similar types of levels. These are not levels that we would have historically considered even in the investment grade range and yet these companies are maintaining not just investment grade but very strong investment grade ratings despite this level. So it's extraordinary. I mean how, how sustainable is that? Well, I don't think it's that sustainable. I think we're going to have um, the rating agencies are going to have a challenge the next time we see a downturn. They did but last time, I seem to remember. Uh, yes, they did. <laughs> um, but these are more stable companies, which will be less cyclical than perhaps some of the other names out there. So, you know, for for some of them, they may be able to manage this cycle appropriately. It's a question of when the cycle turns. What I thought was most interesting from the survey is that the two sectors which show the, the um, starkest decli decline in leverage over the next 12 months is the energy and materials sector. And that should be no surprise given the increase in commodity prices we've seen uh, over the last two years, but also the capital discipline that those sectors have shown. And I think that feeds very nicely into the other finding of this report, which is that those companies who will be swimming in free cash flow over the next two years will show an increasing propensity to to begin to spend again, and that the cycle of capital investment in energy and materials is just about to start again. Marcel, coming to you, um, I mean, your, your companies are so flush with cash that they, um, they're keeping it all offshore and hidden under various mattresses around the world. I mean, what, what, what's, what's likely to happen there? How are they going to um, increase their spending, if at all? Yeah, I mean, I think the primary impact, particularly in the US, is the Republican tax cuts that we've seen, particularly the um, allowances for repatriation of offshore um, funds, as well as the you know, reduction of the tax rate. 
both of those together mean that particularly large tech companies such as Apple, Google, Amazon, these types have larger than ever now balances that can actually be deployed within the U.S. And, you know, part of that will be on buybacks and dividends. But, the you know, in the true spirit of what the law was meant to do, it's, it's not all going to go back in that way. And some of it is going to come back and uh, particularly see its way in uh, into efficiency capex. Kita? Um of my U.S. Staples companies, I would say they're seeing something very similar in that um, they are expecting to um, to get large amounts of offshore cash back onshore, and I suspect that most of that will go towards shareholders. I think for the Staples companies, it's a little bit more difficult to deploy that capital towards CapEx because it's not clear what they would be spending it on. Where I think it will go instead from an investment point of view is more to M&A rather than to capital investment. That's interesting. And what types of M&A? I mean, everybody's buying everybody else or spinning off everything. It's, it's, it's been the story of the last few years. But effectively, you have a situation with a um, private equity company called 3G really transforming the way that we think about Staples companies. And um, most of them are now so focused on costs and their, their margin potential um, that they have been sacrificing growth over the past few years. And the only way they can continue to show any level of growth is to do M&A. As the companies themselves get bigger, the targets necessarily have to get bigger as well. So you see the smaller companies are always talking about more bolt-on M&A. Um, the larger companies will talk about deleveraging from their last M&A before doing something else that's big. But you will see the entire gamut of, of acquisitions that are going to be made in this in this market. Marcel, I mean, IT companies, when they're ramping up their own capex, that's usually because they see um, a, a, a need for it amongst um, amongst their clients. So it's a fairly good indicator, isn't it, of what's, what else is going on? It is. I mean, particularly if you look at the hyperscale vendors such as, you know, Google, Microsoft, Amazon, for them to run out of capacity, you know, would mean businesses not being able to conduct their business anymore. So that's clearly unavoidable. So they need to look at two, three, four years and anticipate demand in order to kind of plan for their data center rollouts. Um, so, yeah, I would say them ro rolling out CapEx is definitely a bullish sign for their uh, And not customers. just for the coming year, but you're saying for the, up to the next four? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, you know, if, especially if you're rolling out data centers in regions where you haven't had before, that could easily take a year or two to kind of get up to a speed for a fully uh, fledged data center. Okay, well, um, Oliver, let's, let's turn to inflation. Um, uh, Two-thirds of the analysts in this survey are seeing higher input costs. That's up from half last year. Um, so a good indication of late cycle, perhaps. And wages also um, set to rise, especially um, in China. Is this the beginning of, um, of reflation? Well, I think certainly uh, there is increasing pressure on the cost base of industrial companies. Uh, you can see that if you look at the oil price, the steel price, uh, copper, platinum, whatever, whatever metal it is which goes into capital and industrial goods, we are seeing inflation um, and we will see that eventually pass through to the consumer. Regarding wage inflation, yes, unemployment remains remains very low around uh, the developed world and we are beginning to see inflation in wages particularly in places like Germany where uh, union negotiations are becoming tougher and pushing for pushing for wage increases more strongly. Geeta, can I, can I come to you because 
are your if if this does begin to to take hold, um, are your companies going to absorb that because the margins are so depressed at the moment, or are they going to have to pass it on? So I think you have to split um, a lot of the consumer goods world into two parts. Um, one is the guys who actually produce food, beverage, staples, those kinds of things. And the second group are the retailers who have to sell those on. I think what we are finding increasingly is that the staples companies are still getting through their price inflation. But perhaps clothing company where demand is structurally uh, lower are not getting through quite so much of their inflation. And the retailers are certainly struggling, um, especially in, in uh, certain developed markets where competition in retail remains very high, both from um, uh, brick and mortar competitors and from online competitors. Um, those retailers are really struggling to pass on uh, price increases to, to customers. So I think we are seeing the same tensions. It's just in a slightly different um, place. And the question is whether it passes through uh, to to some of the guys who haven't experienced it so far. Yeah, you know, in the in the tech world, I think we're seeing certainly input prices going up, DRAM prices spiking um, pretty much across the board. Uh, what we're also seeing is cost inflation, wage inflation, shall I say, rising materially too. Um, you know, a lot of it comes through in the form of stock-based comp, uh, stock-based compensation. But even just basic wages, particularly to back up what Oliver said, in Germany are, are rising, not just for you know, the top rock star IT experts, but even all the way down to university graduates um, are definitely seeing wage inflation. That's really good. All right. Well, thanks to you all for sharing your insights from the sectors you cover on a remarkably upbeat report. Keith Bell, Oliver Trimmingham and Marcel Stotzel. And thank you to you for listening. The full survey, which is headlined as good as it gets, with lots more analysis, is available at fidelityinstitutional.com for professional investors only, of course. From all of us at Fidelity International, though, goodbye. This podcast is for investment professionals only and should not be relied on by private investors. This podcast is provided for information purposes only and is intended only for the person or entity to which it is sent. It must not be reproduced or circulated to any other party without prior permission of Fidelity. The value of investments can go down as well as up, so you may get back less than you invest. For other important legal notices, please see our website or the Fidelity SoundCloud or iTunes apps.